0: Welcome to the St. James Sermon Podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. I'm Eugene Scott, parish associate at St. James, and it's really wonderful to be worshiping with you today. Happy New Year. I don't know if you know, but most people give up their resolutions by the seventh day so we're well past that and maybe this year uh, 2021 gave up its own resolution it seems like Uh, if we were wishing that it would get off to a better start it's been a little bit difficult hasn't it if you'd please open your bibles this morning to luke 2 41 through 52 we're going to read that beautiful story about jesus when he was a 12 year old traveling to jerusalem with his family Over 80% of the Bible is narrative, or the stories of God interacting with us, his people. Like uh, all good writers, God doesn't want to tell us he is with us, but rather show us. And story does exactly that. Today, as we read the narrative of Mary and Joseph and 12-year-old Jesus... Let yourself become one of the characters along the road watching the procession of people. What do you hear and what do you see in this story of God with us in a unique way? As you see it unfold, ask yourself that question. What do I see? What do I hear? And now, see and hear the very story of God. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. all of these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man so ends the reading of the story of God God's Word may it comfort us and challenge us particularly in these difficult times I didn't grow up in a religious family So Christmas was not at all about Jesus. It was about presents and food and tradition. And actually, they weren't very pleasant around my house at all. But the Christmas after I became a follower of Jesus, my expectations for Christmas changed. I now expected Jesus to be the centerpiece of Christmas and and make it special, make it holy, and, and maybe more than anything, heal my broken family. My newfound faith in Jesus gave me hope that Christmas would be one of peace. I had just turned 16, my mom was a young widow, and we had no money. Still, she scraped together enough money for one gift for each of us and her two grandchildren that would be present at Christmas. With the Jesus, I knew at that point, however, gifts didn't matter. I knew that Jesus would be the center. He would be the gift. That not having many presents to open wouldn't be a big deal. We would all celebrate the gift of Jesus. Instead, on Christmas Eve, my siblings and I fought fiercely yelling and screaming over whether we would open that one gift on christmas eve or christmas day. I don't remember who started the fight. It was probably me and who lined up on which side, but the christmas eve faction won. And so we sat down on the living room floor and each opened our gift and left the the wrapping there kind of forlorn and sad looking. I received the watch that I had asked for, that I really expected. And it was wonderful. It was a beautiful gift from my mom. And I I strapped it on my wrist. The the wristband was thick leather. It was really a cool watch. But I was heartbroken at the the lack of peace in our family. And and none of us knew now what was going to happen on Christmas morning because we had nothing to do. All the gifts were open. Everything was done. I was brokenhearted. So I walked down the stairs after that was over with the watch on my wrist, but brokenhearted, as I said. I appreciated the gift, but I knew that Jesus had not met my expectations. And it seemed he wasn't going to at all that Christmas. I sat on the floor against the wall of my bedroom, holding my watch, and wept. And though I didn't say these words, I think my heart spoke those very words that Mary said. Why, Jesus, have you treated me like this? I'm sure many of us, maybe you too, have expected of something, something of Jesus, and been disappointed in it. Perhaps you, like many of us, expected Jesus to show up in a new way in 2021. That the new year would represent a kind of peace and a new start. So much for that. Mary and Joseph also had expectations of Jesus. As we saw, they expected Jesus to be where he should be and he wasn't. They were gravely disappointed. And like we read, Mary says to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So the question we are going to ask today out of this passage is that question that that Mary asked. Jesus, why have you treated us this way? Or maybe why doesn't Jesus show up when and where we expect him to? What were Mary and Joseph's wildest dreams for Jesus? They went on this three-week trip to Jerusalem. That's what it was. It was seven days to get there from Nazareth, a seven-day festival, and a seven-day trip back. They must have saved and planned for it all year. They saw friends. It was wonderful. Maybe they were showing Jesus off in some way as well. And all of those plans are disappointed in Jesus' disappearance. But what about their other dreams, just as normal parents? Did they dream? Did they expect that he would become a famous and profound rabbi? Because Jesus undoubtedly talked to the religious leaders in his own community, Nazareth. He showed promise, I'm sure, and even if not, he probably worked with Joseph as a carpenter. And maybe they dreamed and expected that someday he would grow up and give them grandchildren. Um, many of you are grandparents, you know that's, that's such a gift. Did they expect that as well? And that he would support them as the oldest child, as the oldest son when they could no longer support themselves. But Jesus tells them that he is about his father's business, that they should have expected him to be in the father's house doing the father's business. What exactly does that mean? If we think of the Gospels as like a mystery novel, maybe it it helps some. This mystery novel isn't a whodunit or nothing's been stolen, no one's been murdered. But the question that each person in the story faces is, who is this Messiah? And the Gospels are full of clues telling us, and it's hard, just like a mystery novel, that what we expect, what we think the clue means, isn't what it's really about. This story about Jesus is one of the first clues answering that question, exploding the expectations of of Mary and Joseph and and later on the other disciples. This story is one of those clues. You see, the expectations for the Messiah were all through Israel. No one one ever expected him to be born of a virgin, of, of a poor family from Nazareth. They didn't expect it to be attended by shepherds. It should have been something more royal, more official than that. And certainly we see as the Gospels roll out his story that that people expected him probably to reform the priesthood. And maybe even to lead a revolt and overthrow the power of Rome. He was certainly not expected to, to, to care for the poor, heal the lame, hang out with prostitutes, to walk on water, to raise the dead, or to die on a cross and be resurrected three days later and then ascend into the heaven at the right hand of God the Father. But these are the things that Jesus did and these are the things of the Father that no one at this moment, and and as the story unfolded, could expect. No one expected Jesus to be both divine and human, and and that's actually the core of this story. You see, there there are several hints. He has parents, he does things that 12 year olds do, except he doesn't, And, and when it says that he grew in wisdom with both man and God, That shows he was human. But him calling God Father showed his divinity. Jewish people did not do that. It was an intimacy that no one had seen. And then the next time we see Jesus is in Luke 3, where he's baptized like a a normal man would be. And yet as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him and God says, this is my son, whom I love deeply. This is a clue that he was Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate. Why doesn't Jesus show up where we expect him? Because Jesus is bigger than our expectations. Our expectations of Jesus are are similar to asking a sumo wrestler, to put on a pair of Barbie doll high heels. They are not and cannot be big enough. And imagine how sad the world would be had Jesus lived up to Mary and Joseph's expectations, the disciples' expectations, our expectations. As a matter of fact, expectations almost always lead to disappointment. So why doesn't Jesus show up where and when we expect him to? Because he's bigger than that. He's bigger than our expectations. My question for you is, what are some of your expectations to Jesus in this day that have been disappointed or in this coming year? I would ask you to meditate on that and hand them over to him because he's big enough to take them and do something with them that we'll see in a moment. Why doesn't Jesus show up when and where we expect him? Because Jesus is bigger than our expectations, and also because our expectations are in reality about us, not about him. Mary and Joseph are worried sick. That's their driving force. Of course, they love him, but they're worried sick. And they go back and look for the missing Jesus among family and friends. That's where he probably should have been. At age 12 is probably the age where the young boys started moving away from the women's group. So on a trip like this, the younger children would have traveled with the women, the older children would have traveled with the men, particularly the the young boys. And so that's the first thing they do, is they go and look where they expect him to be, where they expect him to be. You see, expectations are about our assumptions, our predictions, our control of a situation. And they're often about us being owed something. Well, think about it. You, You go to a grocery store and you pick up your groceries and you expect them to be fresh. You expect them to be worthy of the money you spend on them. Every transaction has that kind of expectation. And that's the way it should be. But when we're dealing with God, we're not dealing with transactions. We're dealing with an infinite being. And so Mary and Joseph say, why have you done this to us? Do you see their expectations are about them? And Jesus answered is I was doing what God sent me here to do and that's a very hard message for them to hear expectations always close a door when we were first planting the church that I helped plant the neighborhood church in southwest Littleton Uh, We gathered a team in 2008, and we started visiting local churches around the area to explore what God was doing. Not necessarily to figure out how to do church, but to see what God was doing. And so I told each of our team that what we were doing when we visited these worship services, we, we were not evaluating the sermon. We were not judging whether we liked the music or disliked the music or whether the worship was good or not good. As a matter of fact, many of you have already begun to do that this morning, right? With, with this recording, you've decided whether you like the song, you've decided whether my sermon is good or not good, and in those expectations, you may have already missed God's presence. Because that's exactly what happened to me that morning. Even though I had instructed our team what we're about in visiting as we want to see God. We want to figure out what it is that's going on that helps us encounter God. And yet I became judge and jury. The sermon was very political that morning and, and very bossy. And I didn't like it as a preacher. And I, I kept judging it. And if I were to give him marks, I would have given him a D. And the worship team, they were great musically, but they were spread out like rock musicians. And and they were performing more than they were were worshiping with us or leading us in worship. And and so I'm marking all this down. I'm doing exactly the opposite. I'm putting them into my expectations. And it comes time for communion. And God spoke to my heart and he convicted me of my hypocrisy, of my judgmentalism. And I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I want to see you here. I want to encounter you. They had communion in the aisles and a young pregnant woman walked down and received the elements. And I can't tell you exactly why or how, but I encountered Jesus in her. Maybe it was because she was carrying a baby and it reminded me of the Christmas story. Maybe it was her humility. Maybe it was her prayerful presence maybe it was just that it was an ordinary event and I want so much to encounter God in ordinary events but that's when I saw God not in the places I expected him to be but rather in a place of openness when, when my heart finally peeled open and I began being expectant not expecting. And I know it's the same word, but there is a difference. So why doesn't Jesus show up when and where we expect him to be? Because Jesus is bigger than that. Because our expectations in reality are about us. I wanted to find out that morning how I could do worship better than that church. I had forgotten that what I was really there for is to see Jesus show up for all of us. So when does Jesus show up? There's a beautiful statement in this scripture. And it says, it's the second time that Luke records it from Mary. And I, I, it, it becomes an attitude for her. She says, she stored these things away in her heart. She treasured them in her heart. And that's a phrase that really says she moved from expecting God to expectancy, Mark Buchanan says that expectancy is different from expectation. Because it's a renewal of hope and anticipation. Where expectation is a closing down. Is a, is a putting who and what we are in a box. Mary held all of these things in her heart. She became expectant of God. And we see as the gospel moves through. Every time she faces him. Something new opens up for her. So in the end, when she stands below the cross, she can know that he's the Messiah. Expectancy is a renewal of hope and anticipation. When does Jesus show up? When our hearts and minds are open enough for him to walk through this is called expectancy. And God uses as a redeemer the disappointment of Mary's expectation, of our expectation, to transform each of those moments into a life of expectancy. That same year that Christmas was so disappointing, my first year as a follower of Christ, I had my third surgery on my left foot. I had a, a benign tumor that kept growing back. And, and by this point, the doctor decided that something major was needed. He took uh, a deep skin graft out of my the bottom of my foot and replaced it with a piece of my abdomen. I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. I was on crutches forever. I couldn't walk it. It was wrapped up uh, in this huge ball. And in that time, my sister invited us to go to a, a Nikki Cruz healing rally. She said, I know God's going to heal you i also had grown up having seizures i was on medication for those seizures and the hope was that this medication would control them until i outgrew them it was not epilepsy but something that i could actually outgrow and and so i had lots of medical problems and going to a healing service was was perfect and so we went and at the end, Nikki Cruz invited people forward for healing. Everybody got up and, and walked down and the aisles were packed. I couldn't reach him. I was on my crutches. We were crammed in. I was so disappointed, but then uh, something that people called being slain in the spirit happened to the entire crowd. Everybody in the aisle just began to fall over on one another and, and lightly collapse onto the floor. And I swooned and fell over, dropping my crutches. When I woke up, my sister was bent over me and she said, Eugene, Eugene, you were slain in the spirit. That means God healed you. Get up and 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 put your crutches away and and you can walk. And I got up and I gave her my crutches and I stepped on my left foot and pain shot up from the bottom of my foot all through my body. I am fortunate that I didn't step on it so heavily that I burst open the stitches of that tender skin graft. God hadn't healed me. We expected it, but he didn't heal me. Went home disappointed, confused as a young Christian. I thought God healed people. I thought God cared for me. Went to sleep and in the middle of the night I woke up having a dream that I couldn't remember then and can't remember now except that it was glorious. It was beautiful. It just filled me with this feeling of peace. And I was reciting the Lord's Prayer. As I woke, I finished saying the Lord's Prayer. Well, some of you in... uh, Presbyterian churches and traditional Christianity won't think that's anything big, but I went to a charismatic church. I was a brand new Christian. I had never said the Lord's Prayer before. I don't have the kind of mind that memorizes things well. I hadn't memorized it, and yet I woke up saying the Lord's Prayer. That was one of the strangest things that has ever happened to me in my Christian faith. Beautiful thing. I told my sister, and she said, Well, Eugene, maybe he healed your seizures and not your foot. Maybe he did. I haven't had a seizure since, but I was supposed to outgrow them anyway, so I can't know. But I do know that in my disappointment, God showed up in a way that I never expected. And I didn't begin to learn about expectancy at that moment as far as being able to name it. But my life has slowly but surely, through disappointment, become one of expectancy of God's grace. And so why doesn't Jesus show up when and where we expect him? Because our expectations are too small and God's got bigger things for each and every one of us. Glorious, beautiful, true, which translates simply to His presence. God with you. Not God doing things for you or me, but God with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take our expectations that have been disappointed and redeem them, and then turn them into heart open, mind open, eyes open, expectancy for this day and this year. That we would see you and know you in ways that we could never expect because you are so far beyond our expectations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. St. James is a Presbyterian church located in Littleton, Colorado. Find us on the web at www.sjpres.org, or email us at contact at sjprez.org.